0: Hello and welcome to Cruise Club. We've got the need, the need to podcast. This is episode 27, War of the Worlds from 2005. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And Mike, weirdly enough, before we introduce our guest, I was saying to you yesterday when we hung out that next week's hanks episode Mm -hmm. is that thing you do and weirdly enough these are two movies that i have podcasted about before and they were (laughs) both in the same month december 2017 we did the watch the throne episode of that thing you do and Mm -hmm. i also did the magic mikes episode the channing tatum podcast this movie a movie in which channing tatum is not in (laughs) uh was uncredited was cut out as boy in church not in this movie but here to talk about this as a Tom Cruise movie instead of as a Channing Tatum movie, which, again... It is not. We have a first-time guest to the Tom Tom Club, but he has been on past podcasts of ours, including the aforementioned Watch the Throne. We have Jeremy Kelly. Hello, Jeremy.
1: Hey, how's it going? And I actually have done uh, a, a Tom Cruise podcast before. Remember, I did uh, Born on the Fourth of July. Oh, you did. I forgot about that. I was <laughs> thinking we
0: were like this was like a special occasion. I mean, still, it still is.
1: Apologies, but
0: uh, here like, you are again.
2: It's been a lot of episodes since then, Jeremy. So don't take any yeah. offense, please. <laughs> and you've got okay. one
0: more you got one more to come with the, with the cruise club in uh, ghost protocol when we we'll get to that in a couple of months and then you've got one Mr. Tom Hanks movie way down the line but thank you and I guess welcome back
1: good to be back guys hopefully my uh, connection will hold up this time <laughs> well it's cool because uh, you were on
2: Keanu for uh, the day the earth stood still so you're almost like you know, our
0: Alien Invasion
2: expert, almost, or yeah, <laughs> the uh,
1: Alien Invasion
0: remake expert. There we yes, go. Yes, this is firmly in your wheelhouse, I think. Now, is this a movie, did you sign up for this because this is a movie that you really like, or is this a movie that you just want to talk about? Like, where do you fall on the War of the Worlds spectrum?
1: You know, it's one that I have uh, a lot of nostalgia for. I remember uh, it being uh, one of the uh, first movies that I got on the DVD, I think it was a... Uh, Christmas gift or something, and I've kind of gone back and forth on it. It's like, when I first watched it, I I mostly liked it, and then I I feel like there was a period where I kind of, like, was much more lukewarm toward it, but having watched it again, you know, it actually has a lot more merit to it than uh, I think it's... It's gotten a reputation of being.
0: Yeah, this is a movie mm-hmm. that I was not really thrilled to have to rewatch. I think specifically because the memory of me watching it two years ago for Channing Tatum, like it was just, it felt like a waste of two hours. Not that it's a bad movie, but watching mm-hmm. it for a reason that does not, it does not qualify for. Really, it's just <laughs> like, oh, what, what are we doing this for? Why are we doing any of this? I think this works a lot better, obviously, as a Tom Cruise movie than as a Channing Tatum movie. I like that it's a very small kind of intimate story. But before we go too far down the rabbit hole the proverbial rabbit hole of describing this movie talking about this movie let me give a quick plot summary if anybody does not know war of the worlds or any of the like i don't know 40 or 50 adaptations of the original hg <laughs> H. wells hg wells orson, Welles? orson Welles. No, H. G. wells orson wells no hg wells hg wells but or did orson wells do the radio broadcast yeah that was the broadcasts so they're both they're both wells related
1: yeah and, and that, that together that was the famous uh radio version where they aired it as though they were doing an actual news broadcast, and that caused uh, mass hysteria.
0: Yeah, mass hysteria, amazing.
1: There is a park in New Jersey where they
0: have. I think it was nearby the radio station that they broadcast from, but this was the park that they were saying that Orson Welles was saying Mm -hmm. the aliens crash landed in. And so, if you go there, there's like little monuments kind of around, like little signs and stuff. And when we I went there last summer, and I just saw an older couple just listening to the radio broadcast, sitting on a bench. I was like, that's. (laughs) <laughs> like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's just like a cool little, you know, look back in history kind yeah, of.
2: Yeah, I think that's why this movie's set in New Jersey, like, because this, this is like a modern retelling of... Uh I guess the book and the uh, radio broadcast sort of combined in a lot of ways but uh, it's a nice nod to uh, yeah, the for history sure. of it and everything.
0: So if you do not know any of the War of the Wells as it were uh, <laughs> here's what the movie's about. Tom Cruise plays a father for one of the very few times I think in, in a Cruise Club movie. Yeah. Uh, he is father to Justin Chatwin who I mostly know from Shameless and Dakota Fanning. Dakota Fanning's character was voted quote most useless thing to have in an apocalypse oh, no. by MTV. <laughs> wow. So <you're> squeaky. <laughs> uh, he is Is a father, ex husband, dock worker. He can't connect with his kids, specifically his older son. You know, Dakota Fanning is this sort of precocious young child. She's talking about splinters and hummus and TiVo. And she's like, Look, (laughs) I know things. There's weird weather going on outside. There's like crazy cloud formations. There's lightning storms, lightning strikes. People are going nuts. There's fissures in the ground that split the earth open An alien craft emerges. That is something different about this from other adaptations is that not the aliens didn't invade. They were kind of here all along. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the lightning strikes we will later find out are the ships above sending pilots down to the underground to raise them up and attack from there. Uh, and there's like some kind of deep, like, well, why didn't they just kill us, you know, millions of years ago, or or whatever? Well, I... And there's never really an answer <laughs> well, there.
2: I got a big, I got a big question. We'll get to.
1: <laughs> I read some kind of a, a theory that's, you know, they might have come like millions of years ago when uh, the uh, planet was much, much less populated. So they were just kind of waiting to see. The plants like, fertilize, so to speak, with you know all the people that are there now. So now there's much more of a uh, feast, so to speak. And the ultimate irony there
0: is that if they had taken the planet over millions of years ago, maybe they would have survived. Yeah, but because, they would have adapted. You know, yeah. it. Who knows? But I will get to that in a little bit. So lasers start turning people to ash. This sort of becomes quickly like a, a 9/11 allegory. It's a, po- it's kind of an anti-war kind of PTSD sort of movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. Then the movie for a while becomes like a road trip movie where they're trying to escape and survive and they go to the mom's house to try to find the mom tom cruise makes a bunch of peanut butter sandwiches throws them at windows (laughs) plane crashes outside they go away they all get attacked because they have like basically the only working car because it's an older car and so you know the electronics haven't broken down or stopped working tom cruise's son keeps wanting to leave and join the military or go off with the military and sort of fight back and eventually goes we think he dies In the end, spoiler alert, he's been with the mom. He's fine. But then Tom Cruise and Dakota Fanning bunker down with this farmer who quickly loses his mind and goes crazy after he realizes that the aliens are using human life forms to kind of terraform Earth, essentially make this more habitable for them. Uh, Tom Cruise has to, he he sings a little Deuce Coop to Dakota Fanning. He then kills (laughs) the farmer. Then Dakota Fanning gets taken by one of the aliens. Tom Cruise gets himself taken, so he's with her. They blow up the ship from inside with grenades. As they're walking around, they realize that there are birds sitting on the aliens. The shields are down. Army defeats them. There's no real explanation why. Then, thankfully, in the end, Morgan Freeman's voiceover returns to say, (laughs) it was microorganisms all along that made the aliens die in the end. That's kind of the movie, that aliens Mm -hmm. are here, they attack, and then because... Germs? Question mark. Yeah. Uh, they cannot survive much longer, and so you know their shields weaken, and we're able to defeat them and sort of regain dominance over this planet. And that's the movie. That's War yeah. of the Worlds. Good job. Thank you so much. So I was saying before that I like, like I think my favorite part about this movie, and it's sort of a broad statement, is that I like that it's a kind of an intimate look at a family that it is a disaster movie sort of to the scale mike that we really i was trying to think of like other cruise club movies that we've had Mm -hmm. that have like a global feel like this and i don't know that there are really many Uh like there are obviously battles that are gigantic and like scenes and set pieces like far and away and last samurai but this feels global on a scale that even with him saving the world sort of in like mission impossible movies to date so far in cruise club we really haven't gotten to and i kind of liked that it Felt both grand, but also intimate at the Mm. same time.
2: I agree with that, totally. Like, I think, you know, if anything else, this movie is really well directed. I'm pretty tired of this movie. (laughs) Like, I don't necessarily think it's bad or anything, and I'm quite like Jeremy. Like, I kind of just go back and forth on it a lot, and I think I'm on the back end of it at the moment during this watch, so... I also think my favorite stuff when we get to it is, like, even smaller. Like, when we get into the basement with with crazy Tim Robbins, it becomes, like, Cloverfield 2 or something, you know? And, like, that was the sense I was getting where that movie also was like, whoa, there's, like, this huge worldwide thing happening, but we're getting a microscopic view of it. I think, for me, that's also when the movie works best is uh, when it's just, like, him and his daughter or him and his daughter and his son on the road and, and those kinds of moments it's kind of strange like also what you're saying about mission impossible like as globe trotting as they've been so far they it the rest of the world isn't in on that right like right that's the difference here i think is like everybody knows what's going on
0: and we're gonna get to a point in mission impossible where he's like literally disarming nuclear bombs that are going to change the course of the world forever and you know specifically fallout right that's going to be global in a way that this feels but so far it's kind of he's seeming like it's smaller I mean it's still like huge stakes and like hugely important but feels kind of smaller in a way that this like we don't really see around the world but it feels like everyone's just like don't you know what's going on like this is changing everything forever and I think it's kind of a cool element to that so Mike would you say that that is your your favorite part just sort of the overall feel of it or is there something about this that stands out more as your your favorite part your favorite moment
2: specifically like my favorite sequence and and all the time like um it, it kind of just snaps me back into the movie whenever I'm watching it on TV because it's on a lot or even when I remember watching it in theaters for the first time. When they get in the basement with Tim Robbins, I know that's when a lot of people kind of tune out, but that's when I really like perk up. That's the stuff I really, I love that sequence with him and when the aliens break in and we actually get to see them. All that stuff's cool, the little hide and seek they play. And then maybe, you know, it's not ended in the best way when Tom Cruise, murders tim robbins
1: like they which is hilarious uh just for the fact that robbins is like 10 inches taller than cruz and, and and is holding a shovel and somehow cruz is, is able to kill him all, all by himself
2: yeah so i mean they sort of you know they drop the ball they don't stick the ending on that sequence unfortunately i think they could have like managed to just sort of get away sneak away and have the same results of being trapped in the ship yeah. in the next sequence for the next beat and stuff but quite honestly like I, I love i love that quiet tense sequence going on there in the basement i think that's my favorite part of this movie
1: oh well, we were saying about this movie being uh, much more um, I- intimate that's uh like one of the reasons i kind of appreciate the movie as a remake because if you watch the original it's it's it more follows the efforts of like the uh, scientists and the mm-hmm. military on, on a more Global scale, but uh, this is the movie saying that you know you, you can look at a situation like this from a lot of different angles. I think that that's uh, one thing that reason the, re- or the story gets uh, retold so much in, in different ways. Yeah, and
2: the original book, I, you know, I, it's been a while since I read it, but I believe it's like Victorian era, right? So it's like almost the steampunk yeah. era and stuff. So it's cool how this can be updated and told from different perspectives over time and stuff. And I, I guess there's been miniseries and all kinds of things that's expanded on it too. So this, this concept definitely has... Lots of legs, lots of alien legs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Strangely, there were actually three versions of War of the Worlds that all came out in in, in this same month, uh, June 2005. What? Really? The uh, one made by Asylum, which is which, uh-huh. uh, making a lot of those mockbusters uh, around that time period. And there was, (laughs) I think it was also just called H.G. Wells, uh, War of the Worlds, but uh, it it was actually in development before this one, but uh, it kind of got swept aside, basically. Well, I was saying to Mike yesterday that when you look on IMDb for War of the
0: Worlds, there is another, an adaptation from this year. It looks like an eight-episode miniseries that aired on Fox in October and November of this year. Set in contemporary France, this Anglo-French reimagining of HG Wells classic in the style of Walking Dead the oh boy follows pockets of survivors forced to team up after an apocalyptic extraterrestrial strike I guess it's the kind of thing where you could tell any version of this story that you want and you have the name brand association the cachet of of a property that people know like you hear War of the Worlds and even if you have never seen one I think you know Alien Invasion, like I get a sense of what this is going to be, right? And so I guess that's just why they keep repurposing it and using that name and Mm -hmm. using that general premise because you could do another Alien Invasion movie that isn't this and call it whatever you want, but I guess the idea is you you cash in on the name recognition like people yeah. know what this is and people might tune in just because it's another adaptation of a thing that they have liked in the past
2: i think that's a really good point and i think that's why they were able to take this angle of it because i know i was going into the movie expecting it's not a direct remake of like that one from like the 50s or 60s or whatever which is really good and fun and i love that and all those effects are great and everything but i definitely was expecting this to be you know more independence day right but we're getting spielberg's independence day and is totally is not that like going for that whatsoever and i think part of why it i don't want to say why it works or anything like that but i think why they're able to do what they're doing with the story is because like you said everybody knows that this is it's in the title it's a worldwide thing everybody's dealing with it so we can take sort of a microscopic view of it if we need to and then you know make other movies like independence day that are like these you know yeah multiple threads that converge
0: now jeremy what about you is it what about this movie or this particular adaptation or this story do you like more than anything else if you had to pick a favorite moment or version or scene or whatever of war of the worlds what would you what would be your pick
1: well i wouldn't say favorite moment but just favorite aspect is probably the cinematography you know the, the use of a lot of uh long takes. Uh, the cinematographer, I mean, was, is a longtime Spielberg collaborator, uh, Janusz Kaminski. The specific sequence that comes to mind is when uh, they're in um, his ex-wife's house and, you know, everything's been destroyed and it just, like pans from Cruz in the house as he walks outside and just you see like debris and carnage and everywhere and other specific moments when you know they're still in New Jersey and the tripods are, are, are blasting away everything I mean it, it just so much craft and so much scale that goes uh, into this uh, into these sequences you know that to me is still like you know, the most impressive thing about the movie.
2: Yeah, there's that car shot, right? And I remember being in a the theater leaning over my friend being like, this, how are they doing this? Because it's not, Cutting, and they're going weaving in and out of the car as it's you know flying down the turnpike and everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, a little bit awkward that Tom Cruise and his son uh, stopped their conversation just long enough for the uh, pan to happen until it. Uh...
2: <laughs> and I also love uh, the scale of this too. Like I think there's a great sense of scale between objects, just like, and I think that comes down to effects and cinematography as well. Like just the sense of scope of things and like in proportion to stuff, so that like when you see Tom Cruise and his Family on a hillside looking down and seeing all like the tripods come up over the hill and humans look like ants. Like, I buy all of it, it helps buy the effect because I think they really nailed. They nailed the effects, I think, is what they did, and and it adds to just like filling that screen so well. Question though about uh, the look of this film. How do you guys feel about the nitrate dip that he did again? Like it's got like that those um, really crushed blacks, and the sil- the whites are uh, like all silver, and there's a lot of sort of flare. He, he did
0: this. He did this on Minority Report again too, right? Like mm-hmm. it was the same kind of thing. Yeah, it's a look that I didn't love when I watched it for Magic Mics, but here I liked it a little bit more, and I think that might have just been because I was fearing it was going to be worse you know what i mean like i was like oh i don't like the look of this movie then here i was just like oh it's not it's not as bad as i thought it was gonna be it's of a specific really kind of like purpose and the way it looks and like i i get that he's going for a thing but it's just it's kind of boring and dull to me i think
2: it's kind of a uh Shortcut like, to make everything feel grittier. You can't really put in the time, so you just sort of... It's a post-trick, maybe, or something. And I don't know. I would have preferred if he, like, took more time and used filters and things on set. I mean, the one thing it does do is is ground it in its own sort of universe, you know? Nothing else, aside from, like, Minority Port, which might be the future of this world. We don't know. Anderton could be one of Tom Cruise's Grandsons? I don't know. Yeah, I think it just sort of like sets it apart in a weird way. It's not my favorite, but it doesn't. I think it works for this particular movie better than it did for Minority Report. I don't know why.
1: It's a lot more noticeable, I think, uh, during the uh, day scenes. Especially, I, I kind of remember when uh, Dakota Fanning is, is seeing all these uh, bodies uh, floating down the river and like her, her, her face. Looks, like, really shiny for some reason. Yeah, and the
2: water's reflections, like, really glimmer a lot.
1: It's not
0: exactly what we're talking about now, but this movie was nominated for three Academy Awards, including visual effects, so, I mean, it's not the way that the movie looks, but kind mm-hmm. of the look of the movie in a sense. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, there's yeah. there's stuff that people are recognizing and honoring here, but visual effects, sound mixing, and sound editing, mm-hmm. uh, this movie was nominated for. It lost all three of those to King Kong. But there's, oh. like, the way the, the way the movie looks and the way the movie sounds, again, not necessarily the color palette, but just sort of the visual, like the presentation of it all was honored and was recognized.
1: Although I read that um, Roger Ebert didn't
2: like the uh, tripods. Oh, really? Yeah. Definitely redesigned, yeah. They're they're not what I was expecting when they came out, but I'm kind of used to them. I really like the look of them now, but uh, the original, in the original film, they don't even have legs. They just sort of hover. They're like flying saucer that's not my issue with the tripods uh, when we get to my least favorite thing I think it'll all come out but I quite like how they're realized like the horn and when they're grabbing things and the laser beam is, is great and, and the sound of the beam and the, like the or whatever they're doing like it's cool sort of classic uh, serial versions of effects and things that seamlessly sort of like integrated into this modern reality because they're just from an extraterrestrial origin so like my mind just buys it like I was like that's a great laser beam
0: if you want to go deep on that there's actually a pretty sizable amount of information on the wikipedia for this movie about steven spielberg's ideas and the way that he wanted to make the the tripods look he wanted them to have like a very graceful feel the original novel describes them as over 150 feet tall and so he wanted to make sure that they had the scale so if you want to really go deep into his vision and his idea and whether or not you think it worked uh check out the wikipedia for this because there's a lot of good information there about what his vision and why they're sort of the unique and the kind of iconic look that these tripods have in this movie. So I think it's kind of a cool in that regard. But, Mike, you just mentioned... Uh, the things you don't like about this movie what about this movie do you not like what would you change what would you remove what's your least favorite part of War of the Worlds
2: I got a major one but I've got to I got to touch on a couple quick ones first up I just got to say like I just can't stand Robbie and it's not that (laughs) I you know and you can have a son and father not getting along but like this is too much too many shortcuts and too short a time to display their relationship for me you know I just I wanted to try and focus more on like one central issue with them but it seems like there's tons of shit, like, they've got lots of baggage, and there's no time to really, like, get into any of it. And this is Robbie-related. I hate when Robbie's running away up the hill, and Cruz goes to stop him, and then that family tries to steal Dakota Fanning. Like, why is that part in the movie?
1: Yeah, like, it's always meant to be, like, this really impactful scene, but it always just kind of felt... Awkward to me.
2: That just made me laugh, and, uh, and not intentionally, you know?
1: That's definitely a
0: very weird example of this movie just sort of wanting to portray people on a whole as not good like mm. when they have everybody attacking the van like that makes a little bit more sense but they're also like so crazed that they don't even care that dakota fanning is they're to like drive off with her and like it's not <laughs> that they want her but they just don't they don't not want her it's a couple examples of that where it's like hey people can be good but people can also be really bad but there's not really a reason to it and i think that's a lot mm-hmm. of like for better and worse that's what this movie does right it's like yeah. we're not going to say why we're just going to show you things and you can sort of draw your own conclusions for which I think works in some ways like the, the scary thing of like why didn't the aliens kill us millions of years ago or whatever like that's kind of cool to think about but here it's just like well, give us a little bit of answers. Or like at the very end, when we're able to kill the aliens and then it's only through the closing narration that we get the answers, it's like, is that really the the most satisfying way to end the movie? Like, it doesn't feel (laughs) that way.
1: Yeah. I also question why they cast the the hilarious uh, Lisa Ann Walter as uh, a a friend of the family that they happen to to meet as they're getting up to the ferry and then she's gone like five minutes later, nothing.
2: Yeah, it's remarkable. Like the only likable person or the only quote unquote Good person in this movie seems to be Dakota Fanning, and she—it's like she's barely, you know, the focal point of the movie, right? Yeah. Like it's, like it's all—you're right. I never raise a dick, right? Like it's insane, like right <laughs> off the bat, and that—that that doesn't let up either for a really long time. So I also have like tough—I have challenges like getting on his side too, and it's only because he's protecting Dakota Fanning that I'm like still rooting for him at
1: times. That's just part of the uh, common uh, Spielberg thing to have, uh, you, you know, the uh, not good father figure. So my main problem with this movie, though, and things that just, like, oh, it's
2: always bothered me is, like, just, why couldn't the aliens just invade from space? Like, why did they have to be buried here? Because of all those reasons we were saying before, if they had just stuck around and adapted or done any kind of research before, like, shooting lightning back down into their ships, like, they would know. That's the only way the movie, for me, or the story works, is if they come from space. Because, they you know are unprotected from our you know organisms and and stuff like and like how would they know they can't see it or you know they're microscopic things like maybe they have different technologies in those regards like I just don't buy it if they've been here all along and it always not ruins it for me but it just always bothers me and I can never really get over that and that's and I don't like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just wish that that was the one thing that was changed here is that, like, the lightning is striking because the ships are landing. And, like, we actually get to see them. And it would be a great visual of those tentacles coming down out of the sky, out of the clouds. And you're like, what the hell? Is it, like, one giant thing? And then, no, it's, like, a bunch of them landing. Or they're like zooming across the sky as like meteorites and and hitting down like in the original and stuff like that was just perfectly fine I think it's too much of a drastic change and I think it's it's done because it's a remake and it's done just to do something different and it's the one thing they didn't need to change that they like really really changed that changed everything for me that's the thing I was getting to all along. So that's that the aliens were here didn't invade from space and for me that kind of like breaks
0: everything. The thing you don't like is kind of the fundamental idea of the movie in its <laughs> entirety. Isn't that crazy? I mean, but that is basically it
2: because it doesn't work, we right? Because if they came down into their ships, they'd have been those ships would have been exposed. They just doesn't work for me, unfortunately. But, like, it doesn't stop me from enjoying other aspects of the film, somehow, <laughs> remarkably. You know, I just don't think about it, I guess. You know, once they're there, I de- that one scene with the reporter explaining it, I just sort of tune out. It's always bothered me. i would never been able to really get over
0: that. I think it makes sense. Like, I don't necessarily agree with it like not that I not that I think you're wrong it's just like it doesn't bother me but I also I I can totally see where you're coming from you know what I mean like I understand yeah. like I can
2: understand people being fine with it too you know what I'm saying like yep. to kind of teach their own thing and if it works for you that's cool like I'm not going to get on you about that or anything it's just you know don't get on on me for thinking like it's not cool and stuff but like there's enough other things about this and and there's other movies where I have, like, problems with the fundamental core of them, but I'm still enjoying what's, like, happening and stuff. So there's still, like, merit here in places just, you know, for me, not in that particular place.
0: Jeremy, I guess a two-part question. Number one, what do you, I think we, we we sort of addressed it a little bit on this episode, but like, what do you think of that element, that sort of approach to the movie, number one, and if you do like that, is there something else about this movie? Like, what do you not like? Like, what's your least favorite part of War of the Worlds?
1: I don't mind uh, the way the aliens uh, come to Earth because, you know, I think it's, it's, it's more of a uh, surprise factor uh, because, you know, if something comes down from the sky, you're probably going to see it. If it comes up from the ground, like, but by the time you even know what's going on, you're already under attack. I just wish that, you know, they went with a... Different design for the actual aliens uh, instead of HR Geiger mock that uh, that always uh, seems to get used.
2: They do look like the aliens a little that are inside the big suits in Independence Day. It does look like a couple of reused uh, models there. So is that your least favorite part, like the actual design of the alien themselves?
1: Sorry to say, Mike. I think my least favorite part m- might actually be you know just w- when they get to the um, Tim Robbins house. I mean, I love this. I love it that we, you know we could have such different
2: yeah. like <laughs> opinions about the. The parts that we like it's so and busy. i agree
0: with jeremy too i think that that and I'll, I'll i'll let you give your idea but like it just the movie kind of grinds to a halt for me when we get there
1: yeah yeah that's uh, sort of how i feel like, like the uh, movie up until now is has you know had so much weight and so much momentum that then we get to this house and you know there's very little happening which uh, you could say you know that this is where it gets Suspenseful, but um, it, it's just not very interesting.
2: That's totally fair. Like, I, I can understand that. I think, I guess, for me, what why I liked it is because I was able to take a breath for a minute, that I was just, you know, there was a bombardment going on for, like, almost an hour. And so it turns yeah. into a different movie, that's for sure. And I could understand yeah. people not wanting to slow down like this much, at
1: least. Yeah, I think the movie in general is a little too long. They probably could have cut maybe uh, 10 to 15 minutes off.
2: Like it could have been interesting if they meet back up with that lady you mentioned, their their friend, a family friend, and that they found the farmhouse together or something and it was abandoned. And it yeah, was yeah. You know, there's a way to do that sequence
1: better, I guess.
2: It's just I was glad it was there at all
1: yeah, yeah i think you're right it, it, i don't mind the uh concept itself but i, I just so w- wish i would have found it more engaging crazy tim robbins <laughs> <laughs> he turns it up too much i mean he's in a whole other dimension here i, I could imagine being him being like in uh alternate universe of uh andy dufresne uh, escaping shawshank and this is what happens to him oh he's, my god he's <laughs> Essentially gone nuts. I didn't even put that. That's funny. I didn't even put that together that he was digging
2: another hole out of somewhere.
1: Got M- Morgan Freeman narrating it again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Holy crap! This, so this is basically a sequel to Shawshank. On, on
1: yes, <laughs> I love it.
0: The movie feels and like whether or not you you want to catch your breath, I think, Mike, because I think it, I think it is a lot, but I feel like there's such a pace to so much of the movie that we get here and i think it's kind of the they downplay the character tension a little bit because the sun goes away and so like there's not that kind of antagonism there and it just sort of feels like peaceful for a little bit and then obviously that gets broken very quickly but it just feels like okay we're safe for a little bit and it's like well this i know that like, things break bad in a hurry but it kind of feels like oh like all right all right okay so i guess this is just where we are for the for the foreseeable future and i think mm-hmm. it just feels like for so much of this there was like a purpose there was like a drive to where they were going and what they were doing and then for them to just lose that in a sense it's like oh uh, okay
2: I hear that. I hear that. I guess for me what it was was, like, when we get to Mom's house, I thought we this is when that would happen. Like, I thought we were going to get it earlier with the kids and then they were going to have to sort of camp out in the basement for a few scenes, but it was like, bam, plane crash, you know, like right back into it again. And we get and we get a couple slower, like, beats and stuff like when they're walking and get to the train, but then the train comes by and it's on fire, you know? So there's like, I feel like he never wants you to settle anywhere or feel any kind of safety at all. Like, and when Dakota Fanning goes to the bathroom by the river and all the dead bodies come by. Like, there's just never anywhere, you know, maybe he does slow down too much here at the farmhouse to make up for all that, but he does take the the time to, you know, have the go into the aliens a little bit more in this part, and that's what he uses it for. But again, he could have done that other places and other times in the movie as well. So I I, I totally hear why you guys, like, you know, why you aren't feeling this sequence too, so.
1: We've uh, touched upon the uh, actual ending, and uh, that's another thing where, uh, yeah, I, I... I feel like that really works against the movie because if you've watched the original the way that it's shown that the uh, the uh, ships are like dying like it's a big moment like the ship is approaching a a church where everyone's gathered in and you know they feel like the end is here and and then like it just dies and you know you feel this huge this huge relief this huge big letdown and with, with this it it's just oh by the way this thing uh, these tripods suddenly started going down like it just peers out in like such a, a, a lame way
2: yeah it, it really feels like it, it's uh, like racing to the end at that point because and, and I think it, it's detriment maybe of sticking too close to the ground this entire movie like maybe if we had cut away to Robbie at some point and seen part of his journey right and been more yeah. concerned about that and then we could have seen more tripod activity and more army military information kind of stuff and then and when that moment comes, like, it would maybe carry more weight from Ray's perspective because we have it from another view at some point. But, like, as it is, it's like, how is he the only one noticing the shields are down? It's, like, crazy. It's just, like, the movie yeah. is just, like, running to the finish line.
1: And, and having Robbie appear at the very end, it it, it felt like such a last-second tack-on. I
2: audibly groaned at the, at the movie theater because, like,
0: uh, it just... Uh. I'm doing it now.
2: Like,
0: (laughs) Like, what was kind of surprising to me a little bit is that when I was getting ready to watch this movie, I was like, oh, it's under two hours. Like, I I think, Jeremy, that you're right. Like, I think it's a little bit long, but I feel like it rushes to an end to the point where, like, things just kind of wrap up and you're like, wait, 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 what? I think that you have room here. Like, I was sort of picturing and maybe it just you know it's not like 2005 was forever ago but i feel like you know modern movies might have been like a little bit long i don't know but i feel like you have a little bit of room to play and make this a little bit longer the fact that it's it sort of feels clipped a little bit or that they are rushing to the end and maybe again maybe it's the whole like this is tom cruise's story this is not about the military fight like it's not about you know will smith teaming up with the military to take down the alien invasion this is just like tom cruise like an observant guy, it almost feels earnest that we don't have a real resolution. But as a movie, like as a movie watcher or whatever, like I kind of want, I want there to be that.
1: I also took note of uh, how many times things seem to get repeated about the aliens. Like uh, how many times do they say, oh, these things were buried in the ground. Oh, these uh, these things came down in the lightning. Like, it, it, they keep saying things that have already been established. Very good point. So some uh, some trivia about this movie. Steven Sp- so after they made Minority Report together, Steven
0: Spielberg and Tom Cruise really wanted to work together again. They sort of sat down. They had a couple of different ideas for movies. They landed upon war of the worlds are like that's it that's perfect that's what we want to do so that which led to this obviously they wanted to have jj abrams write the script but he oh. was too busy working on a little tv show called lost he was working i think on the pilot or something of lost so he couldn't actually take the time to write this so it was brought to david Kep, who wrote the scene or wrote the, wrote the script and they sort of rewrote it a little bit i think this is the the final cruise spielberg team-up is that right i think so Steven Spielberg was not particularly thrilled uh, with Tom Cruise's sort of behavior and performance in terms of promoting this movie, because if you'll remember, Oprah. Uh, Steven Spielberg was supposed to join Tom Cruise on the Oprah Winfrey show to promote this movie, and he had production things or something, he had the dropouts, to drop out, so like Tom Cruise, you can do this. And then it was him, I'm in love with Katie Holmes, jumping up and down on the couch. So <laughs> that was the thing where Steven Spielberg was supposed to be there. Again, we don't we do not go deep into the personal lives. Of the actors that we're talking about, but there's something going on here in some regard. Steven Spielberg was not exactly thrilled with how Tom Cruise was sort of behaving himself and representing the movie. That did not stop this from not being or from being a gigantic, colossal hit. A $130 million budget, including DVD sales, made over $700 million to date. So, like, this is a wildly Ooh. successful movie. Yeah. So, jumping on the couch did not do anything to hurt, you know, this movie's financial successes, but I can also see. From a director's point of view, why you'd be like, hey, hey, guy, what are you doing?
1: You yeah, know, even though it obviously did make a lot of money, that might have impacted the uh, critical view uh, of the movie in in a certain way.
2: Yeah, I think it uh, it became the story, right? No one's talking about War of the Worlds anymore. They're talking about Tom Cruise jumping up and down on Oprah's couch, you know, and like he just bombed all the publicity for the movie. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you would think, no, then they were going to wonder what movie's up, but no, they didn't. That's th- I mean, and they went anyway, you know, but I could talk totally see where Spielberg's coming from, where he's like, I got to distance myself from that kind of thing.
1: <laughs> Whether or not it, it was fa- it was fair, I think it is what happened. Yeah.
0: Oh, this is Steven Spielberg's fir- third Alien film after Close Encounters in E.T., but he thought it'd be fun to make, quote, a really scary film with really scary aliens. So it is a different kind of... I mean, he's obviously familiar with Alien movies, but so this is a different look. And then two other little bits of trivia that I think I mentioned, because I remember reading this, I think I mentioned these on the uh, Magic Mike's episode, was that while filming nearby, they went to a local restaurant or diner or deli or something they saw a jar on the counter a picture of a girl who had been injured in a go-kart accident and tom cruise tipped five thousand dollars cash into the jar i don't know mm-hmm. who carries around five thousand dollars cash but uh <laughs> tom cruise is, obviously uh, apparently the scene where the lightning strikes he goes outside and everybody's outside in the street taking pictures of the lightning they just had locals in i think in new york or boston wherever they were filming that we need you to be in the scene if you want to come outside you can take pictures of tom cruise uh he you know that's <laughs> sort of your compensation like he's going to be there uh just come outside and make it you know give us the the scope of this. I think it's kind of a funny thing, like instead of taking pictures of Lightning, they're really taking pictures of Lightning McQueen. Very good transition. Look at me beautifully doing that. Jeremy, we found, I don't know if you'll remember this, but we found someone on Twitter named Harper Fact who said, you can replace Tom Cruise's character's name in any movie with the name Lightning McQueen and not a thing would change. Uh, So (laughs) War of the Worlds, I don't even know what his, what is his name in this movie? David Ray. That's just Ray. A guess. Ray. So his name you was Ray Ferrier. I wasn't even close. <laughs> it doesn't matter because he's just Tom. Like in my notes, he's just Tom Cruise. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not. They Tom call yeah. him Dad. Oh no, they call him Ray. Actually, that's right. Yeah. Well, well Robbie calls him Ray because Robbie's a rebellious child. But so we have <laughs> Ray Ferrier, Jeremy. What do you think if we name him Lightning McQueen? Then okay. So here's an idea. And I don't want to bias your input, but we name him Lightning McQueen. He's a meteorologist who then is called in to explain the lightning phenomenon. And that's the entry point into the series, into the movie. Does Lightning McQueen work as a name for Tom Cruise's character in this movie?
1: Yeah, I think does.
0: Yes! Sweet. sweet. Hell yeah. I think, Mike, the way we should change this now, because I think you and I wanted to be yes every time. We should change it to be a game where we have to convince the Ooh, guest, okay. why it's a good idea. I like that. I think we just did it. You know, lightning is in this, like, literal lightning is in this movie. I mean, not literal lightning, but, you know, CGI lightning <laughs> is in this movie. We need a, a way, we need a reason, we need a, 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 a we way to ex- explain it, it, right? And yeah. one man, one name, one lightning that. McQueen.
2: That lightning might might be real lightning that they comped in. We don't know. It could... <laughs> lightning present, lightning McQueen. It works for me.
0: The other thing we need to figure out is if Tom Hanks, Jeremy, was cast in the role of Ray Ferrier, a.k.a. Lightning McQueen, if Tom Hanks was the father here, would this movie work? Do you think that Tom Hanks could play this role? Or if not, is there another role in this movie? This might be tricky. There's not that many other real sort of prominent heavy roles. I got one maybe in mind. Could Tom Hanks play the Tom Cruise part, or if not, what role do you think he could play?
1: I don't see him playing this specific part. I could almost see him uh, as the Tim Robbins character. That's what I was thinking.
2: Ooh, I was—that's I like that a lot. Yeah, because
1: there's not there's not a lot of other opportunities
0: for like someone of Tom Hanks's stature, like another role really to fit in here. Like there's a lot of kind of like local guys, like hey, I'm walking here. Hey, are, <laughs> your car's in <laughs> yeah. repair. Yeah, it fixed. That's so annoyed. You wouldn't necessarily put Tom Hanks in. I feel like the other meaty role really is that Farmer I I agree with you Jeremy I think I would put Tom Hanks not in the Tom Cruise part but in that Tim Robbins role Farmer Tom anybody else have any other thoughts before we nominate this for some awards in still to be determined uh, award ceremony name no I'm I'm pretty good
2: yeah I think it's going to be a while until I sit down to watch this movie straight through Again, uh, I'm good for a while.
0: I will be back apparently in two years for some other podcast,
1: I'm sure. But, uh, know, Jeremy,
0: right? <laughs> any your thoughts about War of the Worlds?
1: No, I think I'm good. I mean, uh, I would call it a good movie, not a, a great one, obviously, but it is mostly entertaining.
0: I think it's movies
1: like this that are good, not great, that are going to go up and down.
0: Like, the next time I watch this, if that time ever comes, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, I like that movie and I'm going to sort of be a little bit underwhelmed. You know what I mean? Because it's the kind of movie <laughs> where it's like, if you have higher expectations, you might get quashed a little bit. But if you're expecting nothing, you might like it a little bit more. You know what I mean? It's like one of those in-between where it's like, oh, this could be, yeah, I like this movie. Or, oh, I thought I liked this movie, but I actually don't like this movie. Like, it's, I feel <laughs> like it's that kind of exact... Threshold where it could go either way. I had that same reaction with Elm Street Four all the time. <laughs> Ooh, all right. Oh, actually, so another question we have: Does Tom Cruise run in this movie? And I think the answer is absolutely no. all over the place.
1: Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. He runs everywhere.
0: All right. So the Tom Cruise Awards. There's nothing alien related, right? Like we like the, the spaceships. So. Spaceships don't like that. Doesn't make any sense. Best film, worst film. Don't think it's. I think it's again sort yeah. of straight down the middle of the pack. Best role, worst role. No. No most badass role, I think, I think it's kind of like, mm. what works to a certain extent, I think, is that it's kind of the opposite of a badass. Like he's, he's yeah. kind of just like a normal guy.
1: Yeah, I think that's something I, I read one time that it's a very a different sort of role that Tom, from Tom, what Tom Cruise uh, usually plays. Like he's usually like a really confident, really successful, from the outside, and in this, you know, he's just kind of a mess on both ends.
2: Yeah, he's freaking out. Like, for a lot of this movie, right? Like, more than his kids at some point. His kid's are like, Dad, what's going on? And he's like, put the peanut butter and the batteries and the dog <laughs> food. Like, get it all in the car. We're going. And
0: it's like, yeah, wait, what? <laughs> what's weird is that this almost feels like in that description and as a father. Like, it feels like a Tom Hanks role, but it doesn't. Like, it's a Tom Hanks role in, in a Tom Cruise movie. Mm,
2: yeah, that's true. That's but
0: weird. not a role that we would put Tom Hanks in.
2: No, because it's like dark. it's like Dark Dad. It's not like the dad, Dark dad. That, yeah. It's not like <laughs> light dad, like Hanks is known to play. Like you got, if you're gonna have like a bad dad, you got to get Tom Cruise to play
0: it. <laughs> well, just remember, Snow Dad is better than No Dad. That's from oh. how this gets made about. Uh, isn't it Jack Frost? Jack Frost, yep. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Most daring role to take? Don't think this is best fight. Don't think that there's really a fight in here that Tom. Is there a fight that we want well, to nominate? I don't think so,
1: in, yeah. especially in terms to other movies, right? Over the car, basically, and and fights Tim Robbins, but it's, but it's off screen. Best theme song, soundtrack, score? I'm gonna say no. The only sound I remember from this movie is the uh, Hans Zimmer-like bombs The tripod place. Oh, yeah,
0: best car chase race no they're in a minivan for most of the movie and that's not exactly you know they're, it's not a fast and furious vehicle best dance scene no best outfit wardrobe they're actually the costume designer made 60 versions of his jacket as it sort of wears down as the movie goes on
2: holy crap really
0: but yeah for like a movie that's like an hour 55 probably for 60 versions of the jacket like that is crazy uh, special shout out to, to costume designer joanna johnston for doing that because it's who oh boy that's it's a lot of jackets
2: He looked to me like um, Hugh Jackman Wolverine. Some of the movie because of that jacket and his jeans and everything like that. I wonder if it was just my my head or or whatever. But like I was like, that's a very like that's a look right now. Best
0: sunglasses? No. Best death? He does not die. Best line or freak out? I
2: don't know about line, but he freaks out like crazy. Like we could either do the one when he's uh, the luckiest man on earth and not getting zapped on his way back home the incident, or... I would go with that one, really. I can't remember a bigger one. Maybe freaking out when Robbie's trying to leave.
1: Yeah, because he's saying it. You can hate me. You can hate me, but I love you.
2: (laughs) Yes, maybe that. And then he just sort of lets him go with that bewildered look on his face, like... Am I doing the right thing? Is
0: this making me a good dad? <laughs> <laughs> best sex scene? No. Best, most athletic feet? I don't think he does anything in this movie particularly athletic. One moment that stuck out to me was early on when
2: they were going inside from the lightning. He trips over the yard furniture. And I was like, oh, I bet that was like a little stunt gag that he put together himself to make things like a little more interesting in that
0: moment. Oh, like after we saw last movie in Collateral where he trips over the chair and they yeah. left it in?
2: But as far as character, most athletic feet, maybe when he... Gets captured and goes up the ship's anus and
0: it's not—it's not, it's not a names. character thing though. That's, oh, that's the thing. It's—it's—it's right. it's, it's a Tom Cruise okay. literally doing something that a human being should not be able to do.
2: Were you able to count like how long the shot of him running in the street was? Because it seemed like he was—he might have had to do that over and over and over again, and he could have run like a good mile and a half. Like I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there. Uh, let me know if anything's sticking, but nothing. You know, they don't have to be in there.
0: I like that idea, but we also have the running scene category, and it's—it's—it's different It's, 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 diffi- it's tricky. I don't know. I I, 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 don't, okay. I don't know that's fine best love story worst love story no best ensemble cast I'm gonna say no then best non cruise actor male or female I don't think there's anybody in this movie particularly that stands out is there or is there
1: if you want to count Dakota Fanning but this is far from her best performance
0: yeah I agree I liked her more squeaky
2: this year and once upon a time in Hollywood
0: so I think we only have the one nominee the you can hate me but I love you freak out so wow. you know it, it got it got its recognition but again I think it's just like a down the middle solid movie it's yeah. not you know particularly good or particularly bad I think it's just a uh, a perfectly adequate piece of entertainment it which happens. is okay that's yeah. not, there's worse things to have yeah it could be
2: you know unwatchable like I'm sure that Asylum <laughs> version is right and <laughs> H, H.G. Wells world of the war or something
1: (laughs) (laughs) or it could be the um, remake of the day the earth stood still yeah well the next movie that we're doing for this very
0: fine podcast is we are ramping up the action to great heights in Mission Impossible 3 it's been a little while since we had a Mission Impossible movie we're talking about you know global events saving the world we are time to it's time once again to return to Ethan Hunt get him to do his thing all over again but Jeremy thank you so much for joining us and speaking of Mission Impossible I said you'll be back on a later Mission Impossible movie down the road but thank you for joining us today for War of the Worlds glad I could be here we loved having you but for all things Cruise Club you can go to cageclub.me facebook.com slash cageclub or at Pod on Twitter and Instagram email us run run at cageclub.me Come back next week on our Hanks for the Memories feed for That Thing You Do. Come back in two weeks for Mission Impossible 3 right here on Cruise Club. Go check out our brand new episodes of Watch the Throne about Bombshell, our new Viva Pod Vegas about Jailhouse Rock, and all 26 shows at cageclub.me slash shows. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Jeremy Kelly. And we'll see you in two weeks for Mission Impossible 3 right here on Cruise Club.
2: I'm not bragging, babe, so don't put me down. "'Cause I got the fastest set of wheels in town. "'Something comes up to me they don't even try. "'Cause if I had a set of wings, man, you know she could fly. "'She's my little deuce-coop. "'You don't know what I got. "'Just my little deuce-coop.